Good morning, church. Good to see everyone here this morning. You'll forgive me if I got the sniffles this morning. I picked up a cold. I think Emily brought it home from work, and then I think I shared it with uh, Brittany this week because she's home, not feeling good. So uh, just that time of year, you get the sniffles and the and the, the cold and everything. So, you know, a few a couple of weeks ago, we experienced one of the darkest days of the year, December 21st. Uh, it's where we have um, the shortest day and the longest night. And we're kind of coming up out of it, but we still have a lot of darkness right now. Um, today, we're going to have nine hours and 33 minutes of daylight, which means we're going to have approximately 14 and a half hours worth of darkness today. That's a lot of darkness. It's not as bad as when we lived in Alaska. Because right about now, I think we had about four hours of daylight and about 20 hours of darkness is, is what we were getting this, about this time of year in Alaska. But it seems like the world around us seems dark, doesn't it? It's, everything seems dark. We've got climate change, which is affecting everything around us. We've got a nuclear North Korea, which scares a lot of people. We've got cyber attacks. People hacking into our, our uh, computers. and You know, just last night, I got an email from my Hulu account saying that some, I had a new login from somebody, and it was some guy named Andy from Chicago that logged into my Hulu account and started watching TV. I have no idea who Andy is, so I had to change my password and delete him from my account. People, will ha- if they can hack into something, they're going to hack into it. It's crazy. We've got global terrorism that happens all the time in this world. Personal insecurity about relationships. We have insecurity about jobs, about our health, about our retirement. Deep, deep darkness sometimes. That seems like what we're living in today. Some say that when you're experiencing darkness in your life, you should pray to God to free you from it. If the darkness still persists, then you probably need to pay your electric bill. That might help a little bit. But we're not the first people to uh, face dark days. In the time of the prophet Isaiah, about about 700 years before the birth of Christ, the people of Israel were walking in darkness. They lived in a land of deep darkness. God seems silent to them. They just, doesn't, they just don't seem to hear from God anymore. And they were greatly distressed, and they were hungry, hungry to hear from God. Isaiah tells us that they only saw distress and darkness. The gloom of anguish is what they saw. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. We know how that feels sometimes, don't we? When sometimes all we see around us is darkness. Again, you know, we we talked about global terrorism being a a source of distress. We've had it happen in in our country before. It's happened in other countries. It's going to keep happening. That's just all there is to it. It's going to keep happening. It distresses us. Economic security, insecurity, leaves us feeling empty. Climate change and cyber attacks cause anxiety and anguish, and our fears about the future make us feel as though we're being thrust into 
thick darkness. Dark, thick darkness. We need some illumination. We need some light. The people of Israel saw a ray of light in the birth of a king, in the descendant of David. For unto us a, a child is born, unto us a son is given, says the prophet Isaiah. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This king was the hope of the people of Israel. He's the one who would rule them with justice and righteousness. He was their future hope. You know, we have reason for future hope today as well. Check out this 18-year-old boy named Tyler, Taylor Wilson. He said to himself, I want to design a newer, safer, more efficient nuclear reactor. You know what he did? He did it. 18 years old. We also have a Kenyan teenager, Richard Toure, feared that lions were going to devour his family's livestock. So he built an automated security system to protect his family's livestock. Jack Andraka, 16 years old, became angry about pancreatic cancer after it killed a family friend. But instead of cursing the darkness, you know what he did? He lit a candle. And bucking conventional wisdom about cancer testing, he developed, now this is just a 16-year-old kid now, he developed a protein-based blood taste test that is much faster and more effective and cheaper than the current option. And he did this all while dealing with homework, while dealing with parents, and while dealing with puberty. 16 years old. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. Children are still being born today who are succeeding in making the world safer. Children are still making the world more secure and a healthier place. God's kingdom of justice and righteousness is being advanced one innovation at a time, and a lot of times it's happening because of our children. It's enough to give you future hope. Of course, the most impressive innovation that God has ever come up with was born in Bethlehem about seven centuries after the prophet Isaiah. Think about it. The people of Israel did not get to see the greatest of David's descendants immediately. They had to wait 700 years for this prophecy to come true. I don't think many of them made it to that time, do you? They heard the prophecy. It gave them hope. But it took 700 years for the prophecy to come true. That would be like us hearing a prophecy and then waiting patiently until the 28th century. That's a long time to wait, isn't it? That's a long time. No doubt they hoped that their future hope would come a little faster, but he did come. He did arrive. 
Jesus Christ came to show us God's love, and He came to be our Savior in the middle of a deep, dark world, a deep, dark night. And He came to bring light and be our hope. Jesus Christ is our future hope. He's our hope for the future. Not because He's a child, but because He's Jesus Christ. That's why He's our hope. You know, Isaiah was right to say that the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, Jesus Christ continues to offer us peace. His peace in a challenging and contentious world. A world that doesn't seem to even know what peace is. He still offers us peace, and he offers us a peace that... He says in John 14, verse 27, says, Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give you. But it's not as the world gives that I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Notice that Jesus does not offer us an escape from life's challenges. Oh, sometimes we wish that He would, don't we? When troubles and challenges come into our life, it would, it would be wonderful if all of a sudden they would just disappear. That we could escape from all the troubles and all the trials of the world. But Jesus doesn't offer that, does He? Instead, He gives us peace in the middle of those challenges so that we can endure. Jesus also establishes his kingdom with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. Like the prophets before him, he is anointed by God to bring good news to the poor. This is from Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He wants justice for all of God's children, not just for some. And that's the way it was back in the time of Jesus. When he came into the world, the religious leaders were looking for God's justice for some. They looked for God's justice for the elite of society, for the rich, for the haves. But the have-nots and the poor and the sick, God's justice wasn't for them. God's justice wasn't for them. In fact, they were being blocked from even coming into the temple. He wants justice for all of God's children, for the rich and the poor, for the black and the white, for conservative and liberal, immigrant and native-born. God wants justice for everybody. He is focused on people being in a right relationship with God and a right relationship with each other. The core meaning of righteousness, when you, if you break it down and look at the etymology of it, it's actually right relationship. That's what righteousness means, a right relationship. And it's not so much following certain rules and regulations. It's more about being in a loving, giving, just, committed relationship. <coughs> That's what righteousness means. It's the kind of relationship that Jesus Christ wants with each of us. 
It's the kind he wants us to have with him and with God and with each other. A right relationship. Our hope for the future is found in Jesus Christ and anyone who follows him in justice and righteousness. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, says the prophet Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Future hope. We have hope for the future because Jesus Christ came into the darkness of the world. Jesus reminds us that children can change things for the better, can't they? We don't give our children near enough credit. We don't expect near enough from our children. They can change things for the better, whether they're designing safer nuclear reactors or they're developing a better cancer blood test or they're being the one and only savior of the world. Our children can change the world for the better. In every generation, there's the possibility that people will act as counselors and peacemakers and make positive changes to this world. In every generation, there's people that will follow in the footsteps of a Savior who is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Since the time of Isaiah, you know, people have been dreaming about a time when the wolf's going to lay down with the lamb and the leopard is going to lie down with the kid and the calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. Well, you know what? That time came about 2,000 years ago. It came in the form of Jesus Christ, as well as the children that follow him who make a difference in this world. So, on this first Sunday of, Sunday of 2020, I encourage you to receive the light that has come into this world in the form of Jesus Christ. To those who are living in a land of deep darkness, the light of Jesus Christ is shining upon us today. Jesus Christ lights up a dark world. He gives us light. He gives us hope for the future. He enters the lives of each of us to show us God's love, to save us from our sins, basically save us from ourselves, and to lead us in the paths of justice and righteousness. We're going to continue to struggle with the dangers of this world. We're going to continue to struggle with climate change and global terrorism and economic strife. We're going to continue to struggle with relationship problems. We're going to continue to struggle with health problems. All those things are not going to go away. We're going to continue to deal with those things. But he gives us his guidance and his peace so that we can handle it. Receive the light. Accept it. Embrace it. Share it in whatever way that you can. Resolve to reflect the light of Christ in the dark places around you. You can be that light. As a matter of fact, we're called to be that light, right? to be a light unto the world, 
to be that lighthouse. Sometimes we don't have to end up being a lighthouse. All we got to be is a candle set on a table. If we could just light the little corner around us, that's all. We don't have to be a glowing lighthouse to shine for miles around us. Sometimes all we have to be is a candle. Do whatever you can to make the world safer, more secure, and healthier. Take actions that will establish justice and righteousness in the world. Take actions that will help people build better relationships with God and with each other. Instead of cursing the darkness, try lighting a candle. You don't have to build a security system for livestock. You don't have to build, make a better blood test for cancer. You don't have to be a broker for peace between warring rival nations or ethnic groups. But I tell you what you can do, you can visit a lonely relative. You can invite a neighbor to church. You could tutor a troubled teenager. Accept and share the light of Christ. That is the best hope for the future. It is our future because Jesus Christ is our future hope. Maybe in this new year, you might be looking forward to 2020 and saying, I don't see a whole lot of hope for the new year. There's a lot of people that are seeing that today, that I don't really see a whole lot of hope. Last year wasn't all that great. I don't see that this year is going to be any better. Well, I tell you what, Jesus Christ can make it better. He can help you deal with whatever darkness is in your life. I'm not saying he's going to take it away. He's not going to take the cancer away. He's not necessarily going to make any relationships perfect again. But I tell you what, he will give you the peace and he will give you the strength to deal with whatever it is that you're dealing with. And that in and of itself could be a candle to light your world up a little bit better. Jesus is our future hope. And he can be yours this morning. He can be your hope for this brand new year if you'll just accept him. If you'll just confess that Jesus is Lord, if you'll repent of your sins, and if you'll be baptized to have your sins taken away, you will have the best hope of anyone. You will have the best hope that's ever been offered. It's the hope of Jesus Christ, the hope for your future. Come while we stand and sing.